This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Anki on Podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, gents, uh, all three of us on the call saw each other last night at Stevenage, um, so it's been a long time they see for us all. Uh, but yeah, certainly an interesting evening. We'll get onto that later. Obviously, a lot's come out of that game. Uh, but first of all, I'll introduce all you guys on the call. Uh, as always, I'm Liam, and joining me is Ross. So, Ross, how are you doing? Yeah, a bit tired from yesterday, but I've trooped on at work, and uh, yeah, I'm ready to get stuck into it tonight. Yeah, certainly feeling it from yesterday, but that's how it all takes his energy drink. He's good to go. So, you know, happy days. Uh, Joe, how are you doing? Yeah, I've uh, recovered from my man flu. So, uh, thanks, guys, for holding down the fort. Um, and yeah, back, ready, uh, raring to go. Yeah, yeah. Good good to have you back. It's a lot to get through tonight. So, it's uh, good to have all three of us back. Uh, of course, got two games to review in uh, the Cambridge and uh, Stevenage from last night. And then the two previews, which Burton for Family Fun Day at uh, Sailor MK on Saturday. And then the big trip to Hillsborough on Tuesday night against Sheffield Wednesday, which is looking like a pretty big game now. Uh, but we'll start off with Cambridge in the league. It feels like a lifetime ago, but uh, it was only last weekend. Uh, 4-1 victory, a, a pretty convincing one. It, it, for me, it was, it was like really deja vu because I was at the England game the night before. And watching that first half where they were 5 left, and then watching the Dons go 3 the left at half-time. It felt like watching the same teams pretty much. It was, we have completely control of the game. Obviously, Waters and Twine were a dynamic duo up front. The first goal was a brilliant ball from Waza. Of course, an excellent run from Max once again. And obviously, you just see hard work for Twine to tap it in. Uh, second goal, Twine returns the favour to Max, uh, plays him in on his left foot. All the Cambridge defenders chasing after Max, and he slots it in bottom corner. Um, and obviously, the third goal speech for itself. Um, and then, yeah, Twine with a free kick as well. So 4 0. Shane to concede that silly goal for Sam Smith. Um, a, that seems to be the Don's way at the moment, the sloppy defending and conceding goals. Um, luckily, he didn't catch up, catch up to us on that day. Um, but, you know, as Darling, or as, as H always says, you know, it's, it's got to be cut eventually. Um, 
whether that comes with new additions into the team or it comes with coaching or whatever it is, needs sorting out fairly quickly. Otherwise, I think it will catch up with us. Uh, but yeah, overall, it's it's really hard to not be extremely pleased with that performance. It's a shame that we haven't seen a full 90th yet. You know, from the from the crew game where we batted them in the second half, really. And then obviously the first half in Cambridge, we did the same thing. If you mesh that together somehow and put in a full 90, um, that would be much appreciated. It'd be nice to see us actually see our game properly. Um, yeah, but overall, um, Ross, I don't see too many complaints in that performance really on Saturday. Well, we uh, mentioned prior to the game, I felt it was quite a big game for us um, against the Cambridge side, which were no mugs um, before the game. And I think we, we saw that the, the class, um, I know it's FA Cup, but they um, dispatched Northampton away quite easy, um, who are doing well in League Two. Um, yeah, against the Cambridge side, and we, we outclassed them in that first half, as you say, Liam. Um, but I think what pleased me the most was the fact that obviously we, we, got, that, we got to see that partnership of Twine and Waters, and it worked so well. Um, obviously, I I doubted um, what was earlier on in the season about his clinicality, but he was left foot, right foot, and then that strike at the end, um, that volley. And that left foot is strike. Um, yes, the keeper could have done better, but at the end of the day, if you don't if you don't take them risks or chances or um shots at on goal, you don't put them away. Um you don't you don't get goals at the end of the day. Um so yeah, it was just pleasing to see um us getting out of the block straight away because obviously in recent games, we've probably been a second-half team. Um, and in this game, it was very much the opposite. Um, I think we cruised to the final whistle eventually. Um, yeah, and I'm just overall pleased um, to see us get the win. Uh, I believe we're fifth in the league overall at home um, this season now. So, it's, um, yeah, I'm just enjoying uh, watching us at home. Yeah, as well as being fifth at home, fifth in the league in general. Um, so yeah, it's been a, been a very good start. And you know, very good on that episode, Ross, about us getting to take more risk everywhere. And I felt it felt like in general that we did. Um, obviously, the chances that we scored were some of them pretty spectacular. Every ones that was well worked, but yeah, we, we were just more progressive, more determined. Just wanted to win the game more. And it felt like you know Cambridge after the first ten minutes, but just the game plan was gone. Quite frankly, and that's how majority games should go for us if we want to play the way that we do with the stick for the principles that Manny wants us to play to. I mean, Joe, how did you find Saturday? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think one thing I said a few weeks ago was that we seem to just have stopped making runs in behind. And you look at the first two goals. Well, the first one comes from Max Waters making an unselfish run out to the right. And then all of a sudden, you know, he gets the ball played through and the you know Scott Twine makes a great run himself to get you know bust a gut and get into the space which you know Max Waters has vacated. So you know that ball from Warren O'Hara doesn't come unless Max Waters makes that run. And again, you know the the ball the ball for uh, Max Waters' goal with his left foot. It's a through ball that only comes if Max Waters makes the run. Um, a lot of the time, you know, people will say. I think one of the most frustrating things is when teams are sat back is just the lack of movement and the lack of runs that people are making. And I think there was no shortage of that on Saturday. And it was something I haven't really seen us do to that extent in quite a while. I think Cambridge maybe helped us a little bit with that. With They weren't playing particularly deep. They were quite high and we really did punish that. Um, I think with Waters, you saw two sides to his game because you saw the side of, Ross mentioned the keeper got a touch on it, but if you go early and you just get it on target, then you stand a really good chance. I remember 
Benick Foby used to do that. He a lot of the shots he scored, you looked at them and you thought, God, they weren't exactly great strikes, but he got them on target and he shot early, which unsettles the keepers. And then the second one is just I saw someone call it a clinical finish, but I'd say that's quite a fancy way of just saying uh, he absolutely twatted it. Um, because I think even if that keeper did get in front of it, he was going in the goal as well. Um and again, it, that came from pressing high. We won the ball back from a keeper mistake because we were pressing. And lo and behold, we, you know, when you win the ball that high up the pitch, you're in a great position to then uh, convert, to, to then create an opportunity. The only thing I am annoyed about was just the soft, soft nature of that goal. I really was quite cheesed off, actually, that we didn't keep a clean sheet. And I'm sure a lot of the players were too. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's three points. Um, you know, we've not we've not lost the game or anything like that. Um, it's just maybe a little blemish on another on an otherwise great day. Yeah, most definitely. And you know, a lot of people said oh, the Wasps and Twine combination. You know, obviously works really well. But to be fair, it was mostly Wasps front on his own. It was yeah, it was it was Twine dropping deep, supporting Mario Riley, and it was playing. Has been like what we did with Troy Parrott really and Scott Twine having the two number tens again. Was I mean for us? Was there any particular? You mentioned about what was in time. But was there any particular reason why you think O'Reilly and Twine worked? I wouldn't say better, but they're much more effective than, say, a a parrot and a Twine has been over recent games. I I, I personally believe Parrot and Waters are two different players. I feel Waters we saw um, he likes to run off for the last man, um, and he fancies his chances when he's one on one. Um, but Parrot's more to feet. And we saw that, um, I know we're going to cover it um, later on, but we saw it briefly at Stevenage when he came on. He likes to do, he likes it, it, the ball at his feet, but with Max Waters, he likes the ball over the top. So I, I do feel like they're two different players. And obviously when you play against him, deep blocks, like Joe said, you need a player, players making runs. And I, I do feel that Max Waters probably suits that type of um, opposition a bit more. But overall, it all depends. I think we had the same with um, Sorinola last season. It was just depending on what type of game it was. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I completely agree with you. You know, Parrot and Watson are completely different players. But, you know, if you look at the heat maps for the two, for Watson twice, you know, Watson was strictly in that box. As you said, you know, off the shoulder, that guy just up there pressing the players. Whereas Twine is... As I mentioned, you know, supporting O'Reilly, trying to create progressive passes, you know, create uh, chances for Waters and obviously himself with the two goals. I mean, what are your thoughts in general, Joe? I mean, is that something I'm assuming we'll see in the future based on what we saw at Stevenage? Um, but is it something you'd like to see also? Yeah, I think um, it given almost giving the players the freedom in the final third is really quite good and, and useful. I think maybe times with Russell Martin, as well as the structure was sometimes it almost felt like you were almost restricted by that structure um i think there's you know there's times where structure is good and there's times where you need that bit more freedom and with creative players i think they they want that freedom don't they so um you know having a couple of creators behind a striker up top is yeah good good to have but then you know it, i think on uh, efl on quest they said you know you got this team and then all of a sudden you put in um you put in um, Troy Parrott and Mo Issa and all of a sudden you've got a really quite scary uh, um, force uh, up top um, and I was listening to a, 
a football league podcast and um, they were saying how if you, if you look at Scott Twine, Mo Ice, uh, Max Waters and Troy Parrott, easily between them, they could probably get 50 goals this season. That's a that's an average of 12 each. If you've then got other players like O'Reilly chipping in with five to eight, you know, that's 58, 55. You've then got other players like Hiram, he's got, he's got a handful. Kioso is probably going to end up with 30 for the season. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in all seriousness, um, you know, if we've got these these four, you know, main strikers, I want to call them, in terms of Twine, uh, Waters, Iser and Parrott, if, you know, if they, between them they can get 50 goals or 60 goals, you know, that's going to take you a long way to be on your way for a, a, a shot at, you know, achieving something this season. So I think, yeah, just have, keeping the opposition guessing as well, because, you know, they're probably going to set up differently if it's so O'Reilly and Twine rather than uh, perhaps Troy Parrott, who Troy Parrott's more direct, whereas Matt O'Reilly's a bit more silky, a bit more classy. Um, so, yeah, I think it's keeping the opposition guessing. It's different games will require different um, different different methods. So, for instance, against Burton, where they're more likely to sit back, would it be better to have someone like Troy Parrott that's going to run at people rather than and maybe put Matt O'Reilly deeper? Whereas against Cambridge, Matt O'Reilly's range of passing, we could, you know, we really were able to exploit them. So I think, yeah, it's just, they all do different things, which I think is the best thing about it. Yeah, I think um, you mentioned about obviously having all the options up front. Yeah, it's good to guess him, but I think for this young team, it's also good to have examples of where Casey has done really well. And obviously this game on Saturday against Cambridge is a perfect example of how to beat that low block. You know, as we said in the preview, you know, Cambridge... Cambridge's PPD, PPDA is the lowest in the league, which i.e. means they sit back a lot and just you know, wait for you to make a mistake and counter. And you know we beat them, well, to be honest, of ease. Like, it was it was very easy. And you know, obviously, we got three left at half-time, happy days, like the game's over. So if anything, the most, one of the most valuable things from this game is the, the fact that you know there's a there's a genuine game film that this team can study now, this young team can study that, they can go, you can use going forward. And obviously, we could play these guys again next season, uh, later in the season. Sorry, I know the other teams who struggled against the low block later in the season. And we can use this game to say, right, this is how we beat this team. And I think what, what, we, what we said last time regarding the low block was playing with width. And I think that, that first goal, and as you mentioned, the, the run from Waters is a prime example of that. You know, using Waza and his, you know, his, his ball ability in particular in terms of playing passing and you know being able to direct of it is it's it's keeping them guessing as you said it's it's a pass that you wouldn't expect from a player like Waza to a player like Max who traditionally you'd expect him to stay in the middle but he's just in that wide. And yeah, you know, Twan is there to make a simple finish. It's it's I think it's fairly simple in ideas, but you know, we actually executed it for once and it was um it was quite nice to see because we don't typically see it a lot from this Don side, not the past couple of years anyway. So yeah, no, it was just it was healthy to see it, and um, I'm glad that you know, we actually did it at home as well because a lot of people, you know, we having difficult results before that. So yeah, it was good to finally put a performance together. And yeah, I mean, we spoke about freedom a lot on this episode, and I think a player who's come in and you know perhaps not had the game time he wanted to this season, but you know has, has come in and done a pretty good job so far and given players that freedom, like the likes of Ferrari and Twine is you know Josh Rakeku coming into the side. Um, of course, we've had quite a few players return to that middle of the pe- uh, the pitch. You know, we've had Robson, uh, Kaz, of course, came back recently, and Josh himself. But, yeah, you know, Josh has been, as he was last season, Mr. Ever-Reliable, hasn't he, Ross? And um, it really, really solidified that midfield and, uh, yeah, given other players the chances to score goals and create chances. Yeah, 100%. And I think with Josh McEachran, 
he brings an element of calmness to the midfield. I know um, with a young group, you, you think, oh, um, they're going to be quite rash on their decisions, like Sumu sometimes, because his decision-making isn't the best. Or uh, O'Reilly, he's one step ahead of Twine. Or I just feel like Josh McEachran, uh, when needed, he, he brings a bit of um, calmness to the midfield and uh, he distributes the ball very well. And he keeps the ball that's probably the most important part of the game. Keeps the ball so well and he makes things ticking in the middle of the park and it allows everyone else to do their job, you see. And I feel like Josh McEachern is so key in this team because of players like Dan Harvey and um, Kiyosu. If they are going to bomb forward, we need a player who's going to keep the ball well and Josh McEachern's just just that. Yeah, and I think Saturday was... a. Uh... Again, another, another great case study for a player like Kekrin, who, you know, when they've got a big lump like Ironside up front, you know, just keeping it on the ground, not trying to force things. And, you know, and I, I said, if Cambridge will let you do that, then just, just carry on, basically. And, you know, I think they're well rewarded for that. And, you know, as I mentioned, the game was over by half time. So, or Josh's role literally was for, for the next like 25 minutes, that second half, just, you know, keep the ball, don't make any silly mistakes. And, of course, to be fair, actually, when he came off, that's when we conceded that goal. So, you know, I think that's ever more credit to him, Joe, isn't it? That, you know, he's solidified that midfield down and, uh, you know, earned his spot the right way. Yeah, and I think if you, as well, if you look at, um, I think he started the last two games in the league and we won both of them 4-1. And I think it's just that element of control and calmness, which we had, you know, I, I don't think we've controlled games as much this season as we did last season in terms of possession. Um, obviously, we've been a lot better, um, but I think that you know we actually dictated that game, and it was yeah. I think the, the reason that we were able to do what we did in the final third was because in the midfield we just bossed it completely, and Cambridge were chasing shadows. So yeah, really, really good to see. And also, by the way, how good Wes Hulham? I can't believe he's nearly forty. He he, he <laughs> even in that Cambridge side, you could tell what a good player he is. So um, yeah. So two real, a few real classy left footers on show uh, on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, most definitely, and um, yeah, very good. You see why Cambridge are up there with players like him in the side, and uh, yeah, it wasn't their day at the office basically, and uh, we f- took a full advantage of that. Okay, on to last night's game, Stevenage. Um, well, I, I start on this one. Um, let's let's just get the official talk out of the way with. Um, Obviously, we were all there last night, so we got first-hand experience of the wonderful officiating of the Bedfordshire FA CEO and his uh, team there. Um, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that was the worst officiating I've seen live at a football match, probably ever. Uh, maybe definitely the last couple of years. Um, the fact that Josh Martin got a red card for whatever the hell that was is outstanding to be honest I don't know how he's managed to get that you must have said something to the referee I don't I don't stand how the ref seen that and thought that was a red to be honest with you um, I thought the Darling one was was fair enough of course he's probably last man and you know that's that's just a standard yellow card really um, but yeah it, it was I don't think, think his first yellow was yellow though no, no probably not that no. was and, something ridiculous I remember being I remember how cheesed up he was with that one but yeah, literally, yeah, like we were getting yellow cards for the silliest things, like, and obviously it went on throughout the whole game. And I remember the point where me and Joe were just like, you know, 
Hiram Boateng, one time Hiram Boateng clearly kicks out for a goal kick. And, you know, we start cheering the ref, oh, it's a corner, it's a corner. And the ref literally points his foot, he can put his hand to the left and start gives a corner for it. And it's like, it, there was like several decisions that way that you just thought, there's no way this is a corner. Like, if you're literally watching the game, you can clearly see that. And the line was right there. And none of them just did anything. It was it was an absolute mess. That that whole game was an absolute mess. And uh, obviously, we're out of the cup now, which, well, yeah, brilliant. I mean, to be fair, Yeovil, Stevenage and TV would be interesting. Um, but, you know, we're out, it is what it is. We're out of the cup. Focus on the league now. Um, Joe, um, any thoughts officiating or you want to go straight into the analysis of the game? Um, yeah, I just want to say as well, yeah, like, like you say, it wasn't just that he was biased against us because there were some tackles in the middle of the pitch where I thought, oh, that's a Stevenage free kick. And then just nothing was given and I was just absolutely baffled by it. I think he was, yeah, I just don't understand. I remember one time, one instance in particular, which made, I just couldn't understand. The player, one of their players goes down, you know, really easy. And he picks up the ball as if to say, oh, right, this is a free kick. Well, no, that's just handball. He's just deliberately picked the ball up. So Max Waters then runs over and says, well, hang on a minute, he's just handballed it. He's literally just picked up the ball in the middle of the match. And the ref then calls Warren O'Hara over, the captain, to then get get one of our players to stop, you know, having a go at him. It's it's like, yeah, I, I just, he completely lost that game. Um, but, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess we'll leave it at that. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Do you want me to just give my general thoughts on the game then? Moving on. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I thought, you know, we, we say all this, but I thought first half we weren't great. Um, I, I, I can't actually remember Stevenage having a shot in the first half, but in terms of our attacking and our general play, oh, I, I, I was, I mean, I was sat, sat next to you, Liam. Uh, well, stood next to you, I should say, being a away game. Um, but, but I think I genuinely, I, I was bored. I was just really bored in the first half. Like, nothing happened from either team, really. Um, you know, which I guess you can say, you know, away from home, you're restricting them, you're controlling it, you're passing it around, taking your time. But, mm, yeah, I think even Manon said he was not happy with that first half. And I think in terms of, like, level of performance, second half, we dug in, obviously, after the red card. We got a goal from a scrappy corner. Um, like it, was, it was a crap goal, to be honest. But, you know, you take it in the cup. Um and then second half, I thought we, you know, really dug in, but we also had some quite dangerous situations on the counter attack where we just didn't actually make enough of them, which was a real shame. And in extra time, there was actually a period where we were on top and we were the team pressing. Yeah, yeah, pressing for a winner, it would have been at that point. Um, so you know, you you can't say fairer than that to the players. They genuinely, you could tell they put absolutely everything into it, and it was, would have been so easy for them to lose their head and completely you know, just throw one in, but they, they stuck in there for 75 minutes of 10 men and it was, well, a ball just fell loose and the player went through on goal and Darlin did what he had to do. Um, I mean, you take those odds because it was almost certainly going to be a goal if, if List went through. So I think a penalty, you got a 78% chance of scoring, so might well not take them odds. Um, but overall, I'm, yeah, Annoyed to be out of the cup, especially with it being on TV. That would have been a nice bit of money for the club. Um, but I think in terms of performance, it's hard to really judge it. But uh, all I can say is at least, you know, those players, they didn't give up. They didn't throw in the towel. And we ran, did run Stevenage close. Yeah, what it was like 75 minutes, something like that with 10 men. Obviously, a bit of it with nine men also. 
and that we kept Stevenage out. And yeah, Harry Darling for sent off absolutely immense the whole night. Uh, really, really good performance. Of course, got his goal as well. Uh, two and two, the Emirates have picked up for him this season. Unfortunately, he won't be any more than that. Yeah, but he was absolutely terrific. And he really led the line that night about Livington. He was surprised didn't come on, actually, for when, um, obviously, the incident with Martin happened. Um, but, yeah, obviously, uh, Ross, finally, your thoughts. And obviously, didn't get a chance to pass it over to you by the officials. But uh, I think we covered it quite well. So, uh, just let us know your thoughts on the game. Yeah, no words for that referee. Um, well, not PG, at least. Yes, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've I've got to applaud the efforts from the lads. I, I do feel like they dug deep and they tried the best. And I think it was probably um, a couple of minutes just um, too much for lads and a bit of switching off happens. But it happens when you get fatigued and all this. Um, but as as for a few individuals, I'm not going to name them, but the, I, I feel like that was their chance to shine and they didn't shine. Um, yes, I we're, we're down to 10. But chasing your man or not letting them just mark it, marking your man at set pieces or just doing the basic fundamentals of football, um, it really ag- agitated me in the stands last night. Um, and just just turning over the ball silly as well, or um, just punting it long, um, it drives me insane. Um, but overall, as I say, yeah, I'm just disappointed we're out of the cup. Of I enjoy the FA Cup and um, obviously round three and all that. Um, but as Joe just said, um, it's a ch- it's a chance to go to Yeovil. I haven't been before, but um, it would have been a nice day out or nice evening out as such. Um, yeah, but yeah, as I say, overall disappointed that we went out. And um, I think what annoyed me the most of the whole evening was the fact that now Darling misses Saturday. And um, I don't think he does. Oh, doesn't he? Um, I don't think so. I don't know if they do roll over into the league. I don't think the club have said anything about it. I think they do. Well, if if that's the case, if if he is missing, I do well, feel like um, we'll, we'll wait and see on that one. It, it it would be a massive miss if if he isn't and he's in that back line. Uh, beers on me. <laughs> um, but overall, yeah, I, I I'm just uh, yeah. The way we played yesterday, it wasn't us. And, um, yeah, let's just move on to Saturday and get the uh, three points. Uh, yeah, so that's a bit of research. Darling is out of Burton, um, which is a shame, to be honest. Um, after all that shambles, we've lost our best centre-back at the moment. Um, so we just see how the back line lines up, and I'm sure we'll discuss that when we get on to our Burton preview. Um, but, yeah, overall, really disappointing night. Um, I think Manning was pretty fair in his assessment of the game, you know, of course, the referee had his had his own way on the game, um, but yeah, I think overall we just we just weren't good enough on the night. I think we played down to their level a fair bit, and they weren't anything special really. Um, yeah, just just a pretty poor performance. I mean, obviously, Haran Barateng started this game. Um, I very much talked about player on this podcast. Um, Ross thought his performance overall didn't feel like he. It was a very tough game for him. It was, didn't really suit his style of play. Um, what were your thoughts on Haram on the night? I, I felt he was sloppy. Um, he Every time he lost the ball, um, he, he didn't track back. He was relying on um, others to do the dirty work for him. And I like I like a hard-working team. I like a team which will uh, fight for one another. And um, he weren't the only one on the night, but um, I just felt um, that wasn't a real Haram Boateng showing 
which we've seen um, in previous games, especially at Cheltenham. Yeah, we, we mentioned on Twitter how, you know, this felt like, although we didn't actually pick any of him in our lineups, we felt this would be a Haram game to start because you know, it felt like his sort of game, Joe. And unfortunately, uh, he didn't really showcase his skill set in the right way, to be honest. Uh, I mean, and obviously, it is a, a fairly tough game for anyone to really make a claim. But I think there was moments where you, you got the ball and you're like, oh, wow, oh, wow that's really good. And then the final ball might not quite be there. Um, it was a difficult game, so I'm not going to put too much, you know, too much uh, weight Emphasis, on, on yeah. any of the performances. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, not. I don't think he's uh, banging down Manning's door for a starting place anytime soon. But I don't think he. I don't think he disgraced himself by any means. Just not. Yeah. Not. Uh, not amazing, also. Yeah, before we before we move on to the uh, the previews of the two games, um, obviously we have both taking an ISO up top last night or in the system that we do play. Do you think they're the right partnership going forward for say as like a I say say Twine and Waters do keep their places heading into Burton on Saturday, which I'm, I'm assuming they will based on their performance last last league game. Do you reckon ISO and Boateng actually work as a Giro Ross, or do you reckon that we should? potentially mix it up with the likes of Troy coming back and other players? Oh, it's a, it's a difficult one. Um, I'm I'm very much a Moe fan, so uh, I'd start him. But if if you're sticking on form, you probably obviously would stick with Waters um, up top with tw- um, obviously Twine behind. So I, I, I think it all depends. I think it all depends on uh, who's who's putting him in the back of the net, in my eyes. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying drop Mo. I'm just saying is him and Boateng the right combination up top. I mean, I based on last night, obviously the answer probably isn't isn't yes. It's probably no, but they obviously no, suit a certain no, game style. No, from uh, last night. Yeah, they, they they probably suit a certain game style, right? I don't I don't think um, last night was that basically. Hundred percent. I mean, Joe, what 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 do you reckon? Would you? Would you mix it up or would you would you stick with the boys? Yeah, I think um, with Oyster, I think a lot of the time he's sort of the last part of a move. He's the one, you know, maybe linking linking play out wide and then getting on the end of something in the box or receiving it on the edge of the box and then um, and then and applying that finishing touch. And I think with Boateng, he's much more sort of an explosive player. He plays in moments. You think back to Stevenage and the Bolton goals. They're both kind of, you know, real goals that, not many other people in the team could have scored, to be honest. And I think uh, with Mo, I think he plays much better with more technically gifted players around him, uh, players that are better in tight spaces that then uh, release Mo into, into space for him to do his thing. So, yeah, I don't think we'll be seeing there too much of that partnership again. OK. All right. Well, we will take a little break and then we'll get into our previews of Burton and Sheffield Wednesday. podcast is a proud member of the fan hub 100 football without fans is nothing so we've partnered with fan hub to put fans first search fan hub app to play your part in the journey okay the first of two match previews on this episode and of course kicking off with Burton Albion at home on Saturday uh but an interesting team obviously played them last season gave us 
two pretty competitive games from what I remember. Obviously got a big win away from home last season at their place uh, during COVID when we couldn't go. Uh, but we can go this season, fortunately. So it'd be, well, it'd be basically gets great to see another team, I guess, I guess they doing okay. So Burton are 13th in the league one currently, uh, 22 points on the season, uh, scored 16 and conceded 22. Uh, but more importantly for us away from home, as uh, we were saying in K on Saturday, they've got eight points from eight games. Uh, it's not the, particularly the best record. And they beat two teams away from home this season. Uh, that was Shrewsbury and Fleetwood. Uh, both away, I believe, actually. You think Shrewsbury was first day of the season and Fleetwood was a bit more recently. Uh, they drew two and then lost the year before. Worryingly for them, they've only scored the four goals away from home this season. So that's an average of half a half a goal a game. So they're taking, you know, scoring a goal every two games isn't the best record and conceded 10. So to be fair, their defence away from home isn't too bad, but, you know, to be that ratio is not very good in terms of goals conceded to goals scored. Of course, the manager is uh, Jimmy Wood Hasselbank, his second spell there as manager. Uh, and his second spell, he's got a 42% win ratio as better manager, which to be fair is pretty decent, especially in his first full season as gaffer. Um well, on the second turn anyway. Uh, so he's got Dino, um, former Steve's manager, as his assistant there. Created a bit of a dynamic duo there. Um, top What's goal scorer. Dino who? Dino who, Leo? Um, just Dino, mate. Just Dino. Dino. Just Dino, yeah. Big Dino. Yeah, yeah. That's him. That's him. <laughs> um, top goal scorer for them is Thomas O'Connor with four goals. A bit like us, to be fair. They've got um, a load of players who have scored scored two or three goals. Um, so yeah, Thomas is on the top of four, but likes Lewis Aikens, who as last season, he was ever, as ever influential. He's got six goal contributions this season in League One. So he again has proven why, you know, he's one of the better four players in the league and he's keeping them where they are in the league, which is say about mid-table, but, you know, a few results could get him towards the playoffs. Setup-wise, it's it's very similar to last season. That's, that's to be expected with a team who's got the same coach and staff. Uh, so the 43 one again is what they go for. Um, the former young West Ham youngster Power will be in behind uh, the striker, which has been Patrick as of recently. Uh, I believe it will be played in the Papa John's Trophy earlier in the season. Um, but yeah, Powell plays as a 10. And if he goes by last season, he's a very good player. And um, Aikens, who as mentioned, has got all the goal countries this season, will play as sort of that shadow striker in behind both of them and trying to support them wherever he can. And of course, score some goals, as I've referred to previously. And uh, finally, just standout stat from Burton this season. They've uh, had the second highest number of turnovers in the league, only beaten by Portsmouth. Um, and I've had 117 turnovers this season. So you could say that if we do the same thing we did to Cambridge last Saturday in terms of press them high, win the ball back and be fairly progressive with our passes, we should have a, a pretty good chance of winning this game and the chances should come. And of course, you know, we're seeing their defence, it's fairly leaky away from home and in general. Uh, despite being you know, mid-table side in terms of goals conceded. So, you know, be effective as we were on Saturday. And I think the chances will come and uh, got a good chance of winning this game. Uh, so, Ross, I know you've made some notes on some key players that out for for uh, Burton on Saturday. So, uh, take take us through them. Yeah, as you say, um, Liam, it, Burton a bit of an um, average side as such. They haven't got anyone prolific up top. Um, but they do have Kane Hemmings, um, a Burton lad. Um, with only two goals this season, but he's a workhorse. Um, he'll run down your keepers um, and he put pressure on the back line. And it would be interesting to see when we are, when we are trying to play out from the back, um, how much he'll pressure us or how much 
Burton will try and come and pressure pressure us. Um, but yeah, yeah, he he's only got two goals this season. But what I feel with someone who's who does that sort of role, yeah, they're there to score goals. But if you're working hard and you're dividend in what you're doing, it's only a matter of time when they fall for you if others are doing their job. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether um, he has a, he makes his mark on Saturday. Um, and the other player I wanted to um, mention, a little um, sparkle in this Burton side, was Ryan Leake, the uh, Welsh um, centre-back who started his career for Wolves um, in the Premier League 2 um, for the under-23 side at the start of his career. And then he had a few loan spells um, and his last loan spell for um, joining Burton was over in Spain. And um, I was just reading a few notes of when Hasselbank actually signed uh, Leek. Um, he actually said that he wasn't his first choice. And um, by looking at previous performances um, of Burton, it seems like he's been the standout. And um, just looking at a few of his stats, um, in the last game, he's won, he won 10 out of 15 aerial duels against Charlton. That's unheard of in my eyes, um, especially, well, it's not unheard of. You, you'll get that with a Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank side sitting deep, but it just shows um, he's got talent and he loves a tussle. So it'd be interesting to see whether, um, obviously, Moe's been picked for Saturday or we'll go for the more physical approach in Waters. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed out, Leek. He's a player that caught my eye for sure to coming from Spain and, as I said, being told by Hasselbank that, sorry, yeah, Hasselbank that you know you're not really the uh, the guy at the centre back, and you come over from Spain is interesting motivation tactic for him. But you know it's clearly worked out. He's you know, played the league one side that's doing reasonably well, considering they've brought in 15 players this summer. And um, of course, there's always talking off season, wasn't there, about who would adapt well with his signings, Emil Shrewsbury, and it seems like they've adapted fairly well so far. Uh, Joe, obviously, your focus this episode has mostly been the other game with Freebie with Sheffield Wednesday, but uh, what thoughts have you got on Burton ahead of Saturday? Yeah, I think it's going to be a really horrible game. And I'm, I think if I had to pick a home game for, them, for me to be attending a wedding, uh, so unfortunately I'll be missing it. It probably would be this game or Gillingham at home. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be quite nasty, but I think, you, you know, we should have the quality. Um, in terms of, you know, Burton, you know, obviously we've mentioned about their, you know, their threats and how they're maybe not free scoring, but they've actually created the third most XG from set pieces and Connor Shaughnessy, a centre-back for them, has actually got two goals. So it just shows that they have got, you know, in open play, if, even if they're not that um, prolific, that they, you know, if we at any point we give away any silly free kicks, they can get back in the game just in, in, in an instant through their... Uh, massive set piece threat. Um, although we have been fairly good at defending set pieces, I just thought I'd just highlight that because it's uh, you know somewhere that we could you know we we could be potentially exploited. Yeah, and of course worth mentioning that if any team likes to sit back, their uh, direct speed to attack is fairly high up there as well, which isn't a real massive shock to be honest. A team that you know, favours the long ball over us, who would rather just pass it you know a fair amount of times before we. I get me with football, so yeah, it's not really a surprise, really. That's that kind of stat with that team. Um, we'll do score predictions at the end. Uh, so Joe, uh, our second game of the week on Tuesday night is Sheffield Wednesday away, of course. Hillsborough, it's, it's been a way day that a lot of people have been looking forward to. It's a real shame that it's midweek. Um, but take us through Wednesday, what, what they're looking like. Um, 
they're looking okay without being spectacular, really. Um, they're currently sitting in eighth position, a couple of points outside the playoffs on 26 points. Um, but in the 17 games, I believe it is, they've played, they've only scored 21, uh, but they've only conceded 16. Um, so they've won six, drawn eight, which is uh, the highest in the league, and um, and they've lost three. So I think only Plymouth have actually lost fewer games than Sheffield Wednesday in the league. Um, but, you know, they've only actually won the six games. So I think that just goes to show that they're, you know, that they're in a lot of games which are just really tight. And, and I think that it only takes, um, you know, maybe a, a bit more clinical finishing or a bit more clinical finishing from the other team that all of a sudden they could be right up there or they could be, you know, maybe looking over their shoulders. Um, in terms of, you know, what they're actually doing in terms of uh, how, how, how they shoot in, the possession, XG, they're pretty much just middle for everything. They're, they're not necessarily playing long ball, but they can do if they want. Um, they're not necessarily, uh, you know, blasting teams with shots, um, but they're not conceding loads either. So they're just like an all right team, which probably just explains why they're in a, involved in a lot of low margin games that are decided by the odd goal or more often than not a draw. Um, nearly half of their games this season being a draw. Um, and I think it's, you know, I think they've uh, I think they've got some injury issues as well, which is uh, perhaps good timing for ourselves. Um, they've been playing a 3-4-1-2 recently. Um, and I think as well, what a lot of the time when you do play that formation and you come up against another team that plays three slash five at the back, it can make for quite a boring game where the teams pretty much just cancel each other out um but um you know but then and one real positive for Sheffield Wednesday is that only Wigan have actually conceded fewer goals in open play than them so whereas you know as I mentioned they're not necessarily you know um concede they're, they're not impenetrable by any means but they're they're pretty pretty solid um but then from set pieces they have actually conceded six goals which is you know fairly a bit higher than the average in the league so you know, by no means are they a bad team, but by no means are they perhaps ready to really mount a promotion challenge uh, 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 in their current state at the moment. Um, they, they do have a few players, though, that I'm sure uh, Ross is going to mention shortly that, you know, they, they do have some real, real quality in this team. So, you know, as I mentioned before, these tight margin games, all it does take is a couple of their better players who have, you know, championship quality and have been in the championship for the last five years or so. All it takes is a couple of them to pull their finger out and all of a sudden they're, you know, really start to uh, ride up the table. Yeah, my hunch of Wednesday is that, you know, looking at their open play XG against would suggest that, you know, you said they could go up or down. My hunch is that they go down purely because they choose to concede some goals and they're going to face some teams who, you know, are going to score goals. You like to think, obviously, you know, us, I think Wickham on a day are very clinical. They're very frustrating team to play against. Uh, Pompey are quite a high turnover team who will create chances, but also can see chances. So, yeah. They've got quite a good keeper Wednesday. I think they've got, um, no, Joe Wildsmith and Bailey Peacock-Farrell have been in goal this Oh, Peacock-Farrell is a good keeper, yeah. Obviously played yeah, in last so, season at Burnley, so. Yeah, on loan from Burnley. Um, and then Joe Wildsmith, I believe, has been in fairly recently and done a good job. So, yeah, yeah, when you know that obviously we we saw against Portsmouth that 
Well, bloody hell, we should have been four 0 up in the first half, but <laughs> that the keeper was unreal. So yeah, again, that's yeah, maybe another reason. Well, yeah, it's this, and, it, and it's well. another team with an absolute joke of talent as well, isn't it? Like, how did they sign over the summer? Like sixteen signings, and of course, players like well, like the Berahino. Obviously, you know, he's he's not his his career's. You know, obviously, he was a Premier League footballer at one point, but he's still he's still Berahino in League One. Like, it's not exactly you don't want to tell your nose upon that. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, Frasier Wednesday fans at the moment is they're, they're pretty, they're pretty just frustrated with the whole team, and I think it is partly more, but it's also just I think with the situation they're in. Obviously, they played Plymouth midweek and got battered three 0 with the cup and that, that FA Cup first round replay. Um, and of course, he had a pretty frustrated performance against Gillingham, the previous one in the league as well, where of course we saw a bit of backlash on social media regarding that to um, some people. So yeah, they're a bit, they're a bit frustrated. But you know that's what's going to happen with a big club. It's a bit like Sunderland. We've seen the past couple of seasons. You know they they feel they can get out of the league really easily, and they find it difficult. And it happens. It happens. Um, but they almost feel like Sunderland from a couple of seasons ago. You know, just a lot of draws, not necessarily doing enough to get promoted, but you know, always going to be there or thereabouts. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see them. Even finish outside the playoffs, to be honest, because they're, they're not really doing enough for me to say they're going to be up there. And I think for a fan base as big as it is, you know, that's going to really frustrate them. Um, Ross, obviously, some key players in Wednesday. I'm assuming you're going to mention a certain Barry Bannon, but I'll let you take it away. Yeah, I will. Um, I just wanted to briefly mention with like the championship squads, it's great having all these good players, but it also comes at a price. And when you're when you get relegated. Some players think they're better than what they are and they don't have to work as hard and attitudes change and egos start building. And I'm not sure what's happening around Sheffield Wednesday, but maybe that's something which is happening in the change rooms and um, they need someone like who I'm about to mention, Barry Bannon, um, over 250 appearances for Wednesday. And someone practically his whole career has been competing at the championship level. Um, but... I believe Barry Bannon's the difference between staying in League One and promotion. Um, he can pick something out of nothing. Um, I believe he's got um, one goal and three assists this season. But it's what he does off the ball. Um, he can pick a pass um, and he can strike a ball. And when you've got a player in a team like that, um, he picks up points. And he reminds me, he's not he's not like for like, but like he, he's a similar figure to what Fraser was like for us last season. He was nicking points every other game or so. I'd, I feel Barry, ba- Barry Bannon's contributes to a lot of their points. Um, but also another bloke up top, Lee Gregory. Um, he's performed in the championship, um, I believe, at Millwall, Derby and Stoke. Um, so an experienced um, person up top. He's got six goals and three assists um, in 13 games. And um, I believe will be pivotal in this season. Um, but again, two players are taking the Don's team any day of uh, the week. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to the trip up to Hillsborough. Yeah, Bannon is what McGeady is Sunderland, isn't he, in terms of that pivotal figure that you yeah. know is, is that game changer. And yeah, he should be playing the league one, that's for sure. And I suppose you could say the same to our players right now that you know we've got, and you know, really they should be playing championship right now, but hopefully they are of us next season. Um, okay. Starting some scores. Uh, we'll start with Burton. Um, Ross, how do you see Burton Albion going at home on Saturday? Well, I do believe that they're going to sit deep. Um, exactly how they formed against us um, 
I think it was just after the, f- the second lockdown. I think we when we we went back. Just, I think it was the first home game, um, and we drew one all, and they frustrated um, the life out of us. And uh, I think it'll be exactly the same. But I just feel with the performance against Cambridge, I, I do feel like we've got enough in this side, um, and I, I I do feel like we'll probably um, get a goal in each half. So I'm going to go with a two-nil Don's victory, but I was edging towards two-one because obviously if Darling is out, it's always a worry in the back th- uh, back three. Um, but yeah, I've gone with a two-nil Don's victory. That's a good point, actually. If Darling is out, I, I believe he is. Um, obviously, the club book have found that for us, but according to the FA's rules, I think he is out of this game on Saturday. How do you think the back three will line up? Do you reckon it'll be was a uh, Lewington in the centre? And Jules at left centre back of his back, or do you reckon it'll be different? I think Baldwin will fill in again. Okay. Um, I think Baldwin yesterday he actually really um, pleased me, and um, that was in the uh, replay against Stevenage. I, f- I felt like um, yes, he he didn't probably have the match sharpness, but you could you could see that he was um, putting his body on the line when things weren't going our way. And yes, with um, Burton, they're going to rely on their set pieces. And I've, I do feel like Baldwin might suit this game a bit more and um, might like that tussle, tussle sorry. Um, you bet, yeah, but I expect um, Baldwin to come in instead of uh, Jules for sure. Yeah, I mean, Joe, what are your thoughts on it? Sorry, apologies if you've diverted from scores, but we'll get back to them. What are your thoughts on the back three for Saturday? Um, I've got written down here, um, Baldwin on the right, Warren in the middle and Dean Lewington on the left. I think Zach Jules, uh, again, I don't want to make say any rumours or anything but I think he may have been the one with COVID um, he's been missing for a couple of weeks so I think just putting him straight back in against the Burton physical team would be a bit of an ask um, yeah so I'll go and Baldwin you know he's been playing quite a few games recently in the Cup and obviously the Papa John's um, and I like Baldwin so yeah I'll go Baldwin on the right O'Hora in the middle and Louis on the left yeah yeah seems very fair and what, what's your thoughts on the score for uh, Saturday um, I've actually gone 2-0 as well. And I envisage it being similar to the Atkinson game in that it's going to be a bit of a slog, but then hopefully there's a moment from, of quality from us and then we get another goal when the game gets a bit stretched. Like it. I, I've gone 3-1 personally. Um, just think Burton will score. Uh, I don't think, yeah, especially with Darling out, this defence is going to be rock solid, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, I think we've got enough goals in this side to punish Burton for being sloppy at the back and just letting us do what we want. So, yeah, 3-1 seems a fairly fair result on Family Fun Day, for sure. Uh, and then, obviously, after that performance, hopefully a win, and then travel up to Hillsborough on Tuesday night. Obviously, a lot a lot tougher game where I know Wednesday fans will be up for it, even if it's a midweek game. So, um, how do you see that one going, Joe? Do you reckon we can get a result at Wednesday? I'm going for one-all um, in true Sheffield Wednesday fashion. I think... Um... With a team of that stature, and you know, as we've said, the talent, regardless of it, any injury problems they may have, I think these are the sorts of games where just grind out. And I think you know it, it'll be a good point. So yeah, one all I've gone for. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point in general. Uh, Ross, would you? What do you reckon? You go for one point, or do you reckon you have two more? I'm a bit, I'm a bit weird with this game because of the performance we saw at Wigan um, and. Sunderland, Ipswich, um, Portsmouth. We we, t- we turn up against these big teams. It's not often we get rolled over. So I, I, I can't see us getting um, battered. 
touch wood. Um, but I'd, I'd, I do feel like we, we've probably got the edge in this game um, if we win on Saturday, just through momentum more than anything. Um, I'm going to go with a 2-1 Dons victory. Um, obviously, it's my first time up there. Um, but I just feel with obviously Wednesday, there's a bit of pressure on them. Uh, fans are going to be expecting more to, um, and the side to pick up the three points. Um, and maybe that will work in our favour. So, yeah, I've gone with a 2-1 Dons victory. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think they lost the one game at home this season. That was to Oxford. You know, a team that like us play, obviously, under Robinson plays attacking football, likes to get the ball at field. And I think we're exactly the same, but only more effective at it. I think we'll put them under a lot of pressure. And I do think we'll win 2 1. I think it'll be uh, much like Fraser was against Hull and Sunderland. I think it'll be a Scots wide masterclass, to be honest. Um, and I think he'll show them up on their own ground. And yeah, I think it'll be a really positive week after a. Obviously, a very, a very annoying performance at Stevenage. And I think we'll hopefully, well, hopefully we'll get six points out of six and, uh, yeah, have a good little week, which is going to be a busy period before Christmas. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening to the latest episode of the Income Podcast. Uh, obviously, very jam-packed episode this time uh, with the two reviews and two previews, but hopefully you're still here listening to it. And, uh, yeah, until then, come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.